Chapter 41. Passing it on, or not, commences with a quote by Andrew Carnegie. I would as soon leave to my son a curse as the almighty dollar. Just a few years ago, Melinda and I had a long-term plan to give each of our children a nice home, either as a wedding present or early in their adult life. The homes were ones that the boys had lived in at some stage, and each was nicely located. One was beautifully positioned in the country, the other was in town. Both were the typical, modern, four-bedroom, two-bathroom, double-lock-up garage, brick homes that many families spend a lifetime paying off. They weren't extravagant, just very comfortable. Our theory was that we could give each of our boys a real financial head start in life by taking all the stress and worry out of their having to scrimp and save their way through the first 20 years of marriage trying to pay off a home. It made perfect sense, until we thought more deeply about the potential outcomes. We asked ourselves some questions. Do we wish that we had been given a nice home on our wedding day? Do we wish that we hadn't needed to scrimp our way through the early years trying to pay off our $10,000 love shack on wheels and our next small home? Would we have learned the many lessons about budgeting, saving and the value of money if we had a nice home simply handed to us? The answer to all three questions was no. So why would we want to inflict that blessing on our children? This book outlines some of the battles that I have faced in light of the myriad of blessings God has given me. And yet, from an earthly point of view, I can honestly say that I have worked hard to get to where I am today. That being the case, I can only imagine the battle that my sons would face if they were to receive significant financial blessings without having had to lift a finger for them. I certainly don't want to curse my children with that sort of a blessing. So we've decided that they're going to have to work for their own homes, just like everyone else. Andrew Carnegie, the industrialist and philanthropist, is also remembered for his advice on inheritances and the passing on of wealth. He said, I would as soon leave to my son a curse as the almighty dollar. Money? A curse? I wonder if Carnegie had watched his financial blessings become a curse in his own life and wanted to save his children from the same fate. He expanded further. Why should men leave great fortunes to their children? If this is done from affection, is it not misguided affection? Observation teaches that, generally speaking, it is not well for the children that they should be so burdened. Today's magazines love to follow the crumbling, turmoil-filled lives of wealthy heirs and heiresses who received wealth but not the wisdom to manage it. The following comment regarding inheritances has been credited at various times to both Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. I want to give my children enough so that they can do anything they want, but not so much that they can do nothing. Now that's wise. Obviously, each family will have their own views on the dollar or asset value that would allow the anything they want to occur and the do-nothing to be avoided. Children raised in a Calcutta slum could do nothing for decades with a gift or inheritance of $50,000, whereas others might struggle to live more than a few years on a million dollars. Paul touched on our responsibility to family members when he wrote the following to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Paul was talking about our obligation to care for the daily needs of family members while we're alive, rather than about inheritances, 
but there is still a relevant principle of responsibility. And what about our grandchildren or great-grandchildren? Proverbs 13.22 tells us, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Don't we all want to be good men and women? However, it's also been said that the first generation makes the money, the second generation keeps the money, and the third generation spends the money. I've certainly seen some exceptions, but in many cases, this is very true. And there are good reasons for it. First and foremost, it's about knowing the value of a dollar. The second generation has often had the privilege of watching or even being involved with the blood, sweat and tears that were needed to make the money. As such, they have some idea of the work involved and therefore the cost or value of money. This, in turn, makes them more careful in their spending. The third generation often has little more than stories around the fire about how hard everybody worked to make the family fortune. There is little hope of them being instilled with the real value of the family money so it can quickly dribble through their pillow-soft fingers. It's also a numbers game. If the grandparents leave a million dollars each to their three children, who in turn leave it to each of their three children, then the original three million in one family becomes just $333,000 in each of the nine third-generation families. This is often seen in rural areas where a 5,000-acre landholding of yesteryear is now on 20 titles in the names of numerous children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And those who have bothered to stick around are all struggling to make a living off their small farms. The only way to avoid this decline is for each generation to build on their gift by multiplying it at least two, three or four-fold before passing it on. And that's not common. Another less obvious, though no less common reason for the decline of wealth over generations, is changes in personal interests. The grandfather who had a passion for a certain industry, and thereby built up the businesses or farms or other assets, may be able to find one of his children with a similar passion to keep the entity growing, but to find a grandchild with the same interest and drive is rare. This is not always just because they want to go to university instead, but often because they've been raised in the ease of an affluent home and just don't have the drive or the guts that are needed to maintain or build a business. Some children and grandchildren even rebel against the affluence of their family or society. They set out to live more austere, frugal and carefree lives, only to find themselves right back in the thick of money-making schemes later in life. It's surprising how many alternate lifestyle hippies of the 1960s are the mega-rich of today. I certainly think there's wisdom and a blessing in passing on some form of an inheritance, but not necessarily in cash, nor in assets that can be easily liquidated. Maybe we need to give more consideration to gifts of education, opportunity and experiential learning. So, God willing, what will we be leaving our two boys or their children as an inheritance? You guessed it enough so that they can do anything they want, but not so much that they can do nothing. What will that exact dollar value be? We haven't worked that out yet, and it may not even be in a monetary form. I was sharing a meal with the grandson of a well-known wealthy Australian retailer who was also a Christian. The grandson was quite well off, and our conversation turned to whether or not his current wealth was old money, or whether he had built it up from scratch. He shared with me some of his grandfather's and father's thoughts on inheritance and raising Christian children in an affluent home. 
Both men believed that they should use their God-given means to provide their children with every educational opportunity available. They also offered them the chance to work in the family businesses for a time if the children so desired, and the collective wisdom and knowledge that they had gleaned from years of company management. He had benefited greatly from all of those things. But when it came to passing on money, the two men had a very well thought out plan. The grandfather had started it, and the father had carried it on. If my children don't work as hard or as smart as I did, they don't deserve my money. And if they do work as hard and as smart as I did, they won't need my money. It's a catch-22. Either way, all that I am obliged to pass on to my children is sound values, as much wisdom as I can, a love for God, and a desire to do His will each and every day. And if one day it is God's will that we give an endowment or leave an inheritance to our children or grandchildren, then He will reveal the timing and its form to us. Jim Stovall, author of The Ultimate Gift, in which the main character uses his last will and testament to pass on 12 life lessons to his spoiled grandson, has the following to say on legacies. I think it is critical that people pass along their values before they pass along their valuables. Giving second or third generation family members resources without a mental, emotional and informational foundation is like giving them a loaded weapon without instruction or caution. Values before valuables. Thanks, Jim.